Good morning. Welcome to RBT Reading Live. Hey. It's Monday and we're back. It seems like ages um, that we've done this. Like, it's crazy. Seems like a long time. Yay! Right. Katie Noble's in. Morning, Katie. Uh, morning, Mavs. Great to see you. I've got a cup of tea this morning. See it? Because Mel is sitting at my desk. Morning, Mel. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, morning, Clayt. Oh, I missed you yesterday, bro. Hope you're okay. Didn't get a chance to ask Ange where you were. Um... I've got to tag some people now. And Mazzy Baker. <laughs> there we are. Consider yourself tagged. There we are. Nice. I've also, also got a chocolate croissant, which has warmed up from yesterday. But I den to take a bite because I don't think I could talk. Here we are. So we're doing um, Esther, Lamentations, and Daniel. And we're doing them, those three together. I think in the past we've had like Ezra and Nehemiah in on that as well, and Ruth. But, but these three, Esther, Lamentations, and Daniel, are from the same time. Um, so Lamentations is written by Jeremiah. Yeah. And. Daniel, if you remember, in his in his book, um, spots uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, when God says that for seventy years to Jeremiah there'll be an exi- exile, Daniel then tells the Lord it's been seventy years now. Um, and Esther is in that time as well, in their exile time. So, yeah, there we are. That's why we're doing them together. So what I've done is I've printed out the intro sheet, I've uploaded it to the. Um, the GBC resources uh, page on a PDF, so you can download that. Should be able to on your phone um, if you want to have it on there, um, or if you want it, I can print it out for you and have it on your chair for Sunday. I'll do that. Um, but what I thought I'll do is I'll read it first. So I'll read, um, "Where is Jesus? Where is the church?" and go through Esther, Lamentations, and Daniel, and then we'll we'll read Esther. So I'm going to turn to Esther. <laughs> um, and I've got the page number so I wouldn't have to be rooting around for it and I could look as if I knew where it was 468 in my bible boom and there it is ok so it's 15 past I'll get I'll get started so I'm going to read from the intro sheet so you can just listen that would be cool eh? so where is Jesus where is the church so Esther um, and this one has got like a little title, When God's Name is Not Even Mentioned. How is life to be lived for Christ when everybody in the world ignores him? The people are exiled and the name of God is not spoken of. There are even people out to destroy them. In a situation like this, how should they live for God? How are his purposes worked out? The book of Esther shows the wise way to live in a world where God's name is never even mentioned. 
Where does the real power lie? Well, the book begins with a description of the man who is supposed to be ruling the world, Xerxes. And he throws a party to show what a powerful man he is. Xerxes, who ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Kush. Esther 1.1. Kush in the Bible is Egypt. Um, For a full 180 days, he displayed his vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. Esther 1 verse 4. It's all very impressive, and he appears to be all-powerful. He is the one who rules, but when he asks his wife to come in and join them, she refuses point-blank. No. Esther 1 verse 2. He is humiliated in front of everyone. So where does the real power lie? Mordecai knows Christ has, who has been ris- raised from the dead and is seated in the heavenly realms. Oh, so Mordecai knows Christ, who has been raised from the dead and is seated in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians 1, 21, 23. In a world that ignores God when power and influence seem to lie elsewhere. In a world where Christ is ignored and not named, his purposes do not fail. Live for him and you will find that the kingdoms of this world will end and become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. This is the wise way to live. People of the nation saw it. Mordecai saw it. Esther saw it. Have you? Lamentations. And the little title for this one is Living in a Hopeless World. Lamentations is a book about the mess sin has caused. The mess of exile from God and facing that mess. It is a heart-rending book. When everything is laid waste, where is Jesus then? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. How, how, How can this hope be known in the context of such suffering and despair? Listen again. And Lamentations 4.20 says, The Lord's anointed, our very life breath, was caught in their traps. Christ, the Lord's anointed, is their very life breath, and he understands. He too was a man of sorrows and knew constant grief. If our life breath is with us, we can face a terrible world and even a failing church. Daniel, the little title here, is Living for the Son of Man in a Hostile World. We see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego making a great stand and knowing fellowship in Christ's sufferings. Who can forget the Son of Man joining them in the fiery furnace? We see them and Daniel glorying in, even embracing sufferings for Christ. There's some unlikely conversions. We also see the most unusual person being converted, Nebuchadnezzar, the destroyer of Jerusalem. In the early part of the book, we see how God speaks to unbelievers in different ways. Because they they don't hear what he is saying, they are left confused and fearful. The same thing happens to Nebuchadnezzar before he is converted. However hard it may be in a hostile world, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There's some glorious visions. The book finishes with a series of these. The visions are meant to change the way you look at the world around you. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end, Daniel 12.12. Kingdoms and rulers, as powerful as they may seem, all eventually pass away. 
because there is a God in heaven and there's only one kingdom that lasts. Daniel seven thirteen to 14 which is what Sam read yesterday morning. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. In a hostile world, this is how to live. There we are. Hope that's helpful. Uh, that's the intro sheet for the for all three books. So you can grab that off the GBC resources page. Now let's get into the Bible then. Let's get into Esther uh, chapter 1 and 2. Morning Sue. Uh, nice to see you. Okay, here we go. Esther chapter 1. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At that time King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa and in the third year of his reign he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendour and glory of his majesty. When these days were over the king gave a banquet lasting seven days, in the enclosed garden of the king's palace, for all the people from the least to the greatest, who were in the citadel of Susa. The, the garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material, to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. Wow! By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink in his own way, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehoman, Biztha, Habana, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zetha, and Carcass, to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But the attendants delivered the king's command, but when the, the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the laws and were closest to the king. Kashana, Setha, Admatha, Tarshish, Merez, Masana and Memukan, the seven nobles of Persia and Media who had special access to the king and were highest in the kingdom. According to the law, to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. When Mehmukan replied in the presence of the king and the, and the nobles, sorry, then Mehmukan replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, 
not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, um, but she would not come. This very day the Persian and Median women of the nobility, who have heard about the queen's conduct, will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be re repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she, that when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all the vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice. So the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in its own language, proclaiming in each people's tongue that every man should be ruler over his own household. Later, when the anger of King Xerxes had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done, and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed... Let us let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the girl who pleases the king be queened instead, be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, <coughs> and he followed it. <coughs> Now there was a citadel of Susa, uh, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many girls were brought into the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. The girl pleased him and won his favour. Immediately he provided her with uh, beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven maids selected from the king's palace and moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked to and fro near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a girl's turn came to go in to King Xerxes, she had to complete twelve months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics, and this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go there, and in the morning return to another part of the harem to care, to the care of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther, the girl Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihail, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the, 
of the harem suggested, and Esther won the favour of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the tenth month, the month of Tabeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favour and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti, and the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as he had, as she had done when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hanged on, ga on a gallows. All this was recorded in the book of the Annals in the presence of the king. <clears throat> wow, okay. You get these, uh, these two chapters and it's setting up the whole, um, the whole sitch um, with Esther. Um, King Xerxes. So this is in uh, this is in Iran, isn't it? Persia. Um, in in Susa, there is a massive uh, grave for Daniel, uh, which you can which you can Google image that. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is Xerxes, displaying all his wealth, loves himself a bit, doesn't he? Um, and he's a bit uh, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? All the uh, the harem and the concubines and. Ah, it's just horrendous, isn't it? Um, and look at that, like 12 months worth of beauty treatments. It's like flipping egg, man. Um, yeah, but that, that's this is where Esther finds herself, which is crazy, isn't it? Uh, the church is in exile, so she doesn't reveal her nationality. It's like, <clears throat> no, we, we, yeah, we don't want to let on because uh, of all the, the prejudice and all then the discrimination and maybe violence that will come. And we'll see that a bit later in the book. Um, but what what a situation to be in uh, for Esther. Um, yeah, and difficult to get your head round, right? Um, yeah, but this is where, where we find her. And um, yeah, the, the comfort is, isn't it? That, um, yeah, that, that Jesus knows. And yeah, and we will find out later in the book that he's placed her there. Um, yeah, and already you can see the tide starting to turn, isn't it? Where Mordecai finds this out. And that's all of the Lord's doing, isn't it? Um, that he's, he overhears this conversation, is able to say to the king um, <clears throat> and to stop him from being assassinated. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? As an uncle to uh, a girl that he has brought up, he now finds that she's in the harem and as a concubine, and but then is made queen. I mean, like, I don't know. Are you going to like that man? Oh, why not keep your mouth shut, you know? And, um, and he's assassinated. And it's like, well, there we are. That'll be all right, wouldn't it? Um, but no, he does what is right, and um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's hard to talk, isn't it, about these chapters without bringing all the rest of them into play, but we haven't read them yet. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, I guess the takeaway, isn't it, is that is that Jesus does know, and uh, Jesus does have, yeah, plans, um, yeah, that that will benefit, will benefit the whole church. Um, that verse in the intro sheet 
um, from Ephesians tells us that, isn't it? That he has been made head um, and given all of this power and authority for the church. So what we're going to see is the good that Jesus has in store for the church and how he works that for the whole church. And Esther and Mordecai play a part in that. Uh, so don't forget the church today. Yeah, maybe that's what we take away. Don't forget uh, God's people. Don't forget you're part of his people. Um, and Jesus is working everything for our good. Um, and he has plans for us. Um, yeah, so, so take that into your day today. Don't think of yourself alone um, and apart from uh, God's people at Cabalva. Um, yeah, and, and pray for the church and pray for yourself today. Have a great day. Uh, God bless you. And I'll see you again tomorrow morning. Ta now.